I just know how much He wants to love us and how much He wants it to be such a joy and, I, and how much the enemy is distracting us and putting our focus on the wrong things and the wrong areas. Just how easy actually He's wanting to make this and how difficult we make it. You know, I shared two weeks ago just about um, the beginning when God created Adam and Eve. And I was sharing just, uh, just the amazing fascination of how he planned it and what he actually did. And how they were lost. And that he put everything in place. And, and then, and uh, not to get distracted by the, the natural kind of things and the order of things and how that worked and why it would have been really wise to have made us last anyway. But um, I just got stuck in the, in the realm of the Spirit, just understanding how, how much God loved us, so that when He created us, He made sure that we had everything. Uh, so much so that we didn't just put, He didn't put everything in place, but He actually planted the garden and walked in the garden with us. So He took care of everything and how much He wanted us just to relax and enjoy it, and this was not going to be difficult. This was going to be relaxed and beautiful. And it was only after Adam sinned that when the earth was cursed and then man, by the sweat of his brow, God was not about the sweat of his brow. He was about work. He always was. He created us to work. But it was an absolute joy when you work with Jesus. It's cheating a bit. It's like playing golf with the Lord. He cheats. You just hold in one. Yes, go in the hole. Yes, thank you. And you're like, oh, no, but I know. So isn't it better if you just let him play through you? Amen. But it's just how much he, what he did. And, and as I was just meditating on that, I was realizing that, you know, when I grew up, I used to be taught that um, Jesus restored us back to the original position with Adam and Eve, which is actually not true. Uh, he did way better. We, we're in a way better position. We have him living now inside of us. I don't have to wait for him to come in the garden. I don't have to to uh, st struggle or in, in anything because I have him, and he's the one who actually empowers me. So I'm in a way better position. But just grab this thought, allow the Holy Spirit to just let it root into your heart. God knew everything, so he... Jesus was slain before the foundations of this earth, uh, Revelations 13 tells us. So before any of this even came into place, so I, I get asked strange questions. Sometimes I get asked questions, well, why would God allow Adam and Eve to sin? I said he knew all along that they were going to sin. So because it, Jesus was slain before the foundations, before there was even an earth. So there was a plan that he put in place with Adam and Eve. And he knew all along that man was going to sin. So he knew all along that he was going to have to send Jesus Christ. We, you know, and then he said, how stupid can you be and still breathe? But um, let me just say it nicely. Um, <laughs> the reality is, how, what would a mind think that when God gave his son, this time Jesus, he gives his most precious gift that he could give. He gives Jesus to die on the cross for us. But not take care of everything and say, I, I, but I still, I need you to bring your, your bit to the table. 
it, it blows my mind that we even think like that. But that's what religion can do. Religion is all about man's efforts and about man's performance, about man's earning, about ma- what man does. And, uh, and you never achieve unless man does something. And, and, and yet God's all about, I came, I did it, and I said it is finished. Yeah, but it's kind of finished. It's just, well, that one part is finished. No, when God was finished, he, he rested. No, he didn't. He rested, not, not from working, but he rested from the work that was needing to be done was now finished. Like I said, shared about, I rest my case. Not that the lawyer was exhausted. He had no more words left. He'd run out of his 3,000 words. And now he just came and sat down and said, sure, I can't do any more. No, he'd finished his case. It was done. That's what God did on the cross. It's finished. It's done now. And I have to yield to him. That's why he came to live inside of me and allow him to do what he did on the cross through my life. If we can catch that, we catch the whole essence of, of the gospel. Why we were alive and why it's not by the sweat of our brow that we're going to touch the nations. We're going to reach out and we're going to minister to the nations because it's his joy, it's our joy. And because he will do what only God can do in and through our life. Amen. I'm dribbling. It's good that they're not uh, recording this one. Um, (laughs) Anyway, what I wanted to share this morning, let's see how it unpacks a little bit. uh, I'm not sure this is the same direction, but um, what I was meditating on during the week uh, is simply this. I I, I entitled this, um, our time together, what I want to minister is, what mirror are you looking into? What mirror? Are you looking into? Um, when we look into a mirror, most of us are not captivated by our beauty. Just letting that settle. When, yeah, is it only me? Okay, no. Um, no. For 99% of people, um, the natural def- default of every single flesh person is when they look in the mirror. Is never, they're never really captivated by their beauty. Um, they're always captivated or, uh, or condemned by their faults. And uh, what the enemy has wanted to do uh, with us all through history, but certainly even uh, with the people of God, is for us to continue to look in the same mirror. When actually when Jesus died, he died for us to live in a new mirror. And that's the mirror that we should, we're supposed to be looking into. When Adam and Eve uh, were created uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, it, um, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit said, Let us make man in our image. So when we were created, we were created in the image of God. And we were created in the image of God, we were created beautiful, perfect, lovely, wonderful, stunning. Got to say that. Um, I do want to one day get introduced to Adam and Eve, and uh, they're going to be stunning. I know they'll have new bodies, so maybe I'll get to see some pictures of when they were, when they were, because I'm sure they were pretty big, strong, buffed, um, gorgeous people, um, and uh, they had no, they had no other reference other than the mirror of God. 
because they didn't have a whole journey of, of stuff. They were just created, and now it was cool. And then God just came again to speak to him, and they just looked to God. They listened to God. They looked to his voice. They looked to him for everything, whatever they were doing, and they were, they were beautiful. They were made in his image. But then as soon as Adam and Eve sinned and looked to themselves, they began to look in another mirror. And the minute they looked into another mirror, they suddenly found fault. It was him. It was her. No, this wasn't so lacquer. It's your fault. And suddenly things changed. And ever since then, we've been looking in the wrong mirror. And as the people of God, I just want to remind us of the mirror that we're supposed to be looking into. And uh, in case some of you are, are wondering this morning, I'm not really talking about um, mirrors that just hang on a, on a wall. Um, I know if I'm going to go on a diet or whatever, I tend to remove the mirrors out of the vicinity of... <laughs> It doesn't help. No, sometimes it helps, but it's, no, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> um, but we, as, the, as, as our natural nature is, we turn everything into a mirror. You know, you go to the shopping center, and you turn that into a mirror. What are people wearing, and how they look, and what they're doing, and, you know, see, those guys can order the, the big, big meal. I get to have the on-the-go. Uh, you know, that, he's successful. I'm not successful, or... Or we turn going, visiting friends or anything, looking at a garden. Oh, look, they're really good at their garden. I'm not very good at gardening. Or, or our houses, the size of our houses, our cars, our businesses, the success of our businesses, everything. Magazines all turned into mirrors in our lives. You see, because when we look at them, we see a reflection of ourselves. We see ourselves wanting in comparison. We start to go after what the world thinks is right, what the world thinks is beautiful. And unfortunately, that's always changing. It never stays the same. You never have a constant. It moves around, which is why the devil causes us to dance. Just to the wrong papa and the wrong music. Because we're always trying to, we're looking, trying to measure up, trying to do this, trying to do that. Now, if you apply that, your Christian walk, it's no wonder that you're up and down and all over the place and that we get shaken. And can I just say this, just simple statement. I think that Christianity and Christians should look a little different to people that are dead. Just let that sink a little bit. Maybe we go to a morgue. Walk around the morgue, see how you, oh, you do look a little different. Should act a little different to people that are dead. It's very quiet in this Presbyterian church. It's quiet. Because <laughs> you're waiting for me to help you, I know. Sorry, I'm trying to help you, okay. So, what happens when we look in the mirror, then we start to get enchanted by other people's admiration. And other people's opinions. And other people's admiration becomes our mirror. This is why focusing on self-image is so dangerous. And technically not biblical, but I'll, I'll 
I'll leave that for another day. See, we are not designed to be satisfied with our own glory. We were designed to be satisfied with God's glory. So the health and restoration of our souls and of our lives lies in looking to Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2. It is not a better you that you need to see. You need to see Jesus and then bask in His amazing truth. That the more you look at Him and trust Him, the more you yield to Him, the more you become like Him. And He chose us and He predestined us to be conformed to your gorgeous looks. No, to the image of His beautiful Son. Amen. I don't know, let's hope so. So, what I want to do today is I just want to say, stop looking in other mirrors and look in the mirror that God created for us, and I'll explain what this mirror is. But let me start, um, first of all, by if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, I just want to take a scripture to illustrate my point. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I know we can all quote it, but let's, let's read it from the word, love. Um, just having it in front of me, seeing it. It's always good. I always just say I want to hear the rustle of pages, but now it's more the clinging of swipes of, of your know, iPhones. No. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So the old has passed away and the new has come. And he's now, not going to be, but now, he is a new creation. Amen. So every single one of you, just uh, cast your minds back. For those that are a little bit older, maybe just go with me. For, <laughs> for those of us that haven't been born again that long or what have you, you can cast your mind back to when you got born again. When you got born again and you received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you didn't stand there and suddenly, you didn't suddenly go, wow, and suddenly, so there wasn't this huge change in your body or in your soul, but you became a new creation. What became a new creation? Your spirit became a new creation. You were born again, all the old was passed away, and everything now was new. If you could see what I can see through the doorway. Hello, Elijah. <laughs> He's looking at me. So, not your body, not your soul. Uh, we still got work with our body and our souls, uh, but it's our spirits that became new. And uh, so, when our spirit man now becomes new, um, the question for me, for most Christians, is that the 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 next step of our Christian walk is learning how to operate in the newness of what we have been given in our new spirits, right? So the first thing I've got to try and understand is the realm of the spirit that's outside of me and the spirit that's within me. A large part of the church today do not understand the spiritual realm and the, the realm of the spirit that's outside of them, neither do they understand the spirit that is within them. So we are still doing a lot of uh, of things in our lives that's physical and that's fleshly, 
trying to achieve or attain something that can be only achieved and attained in the Spirit, um, and trying to meet something that's already done inside the Spirit anyway. See, when, it's, when Jesus said it's finished, the work was complete, it was finished, and we are now new creatures in Christ, in our spirit man is now renewed and new, right? And so for me to understand the spiritual realm, for me to understand the spirit, I have to understand this, that the word of God is spirit. John six sixty three, Jesus said, my words are spirit and Life. The flesh is of no help. Let's go to just James chapter 1. If you flick to James chapter 1, um, I'm going to read again quickly from maybe verse 23. I would love to read a bit more in terms of context, but let me just, otherwise I, I, I battled this morning to go where I was wanting to go. So in James chapter 1, if you're just reading from verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently, 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 at his natural face in the mirror. He's looking intently. At his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. And I shared uh, this morning too, in the natural mirror, in the mirrors that we, we like to forget. Um, but in the mirrors of God, we want to remember because he's good. And uh, so just remember that. For he looks at himself and he goes away and once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty. Ha. His name is Jesus. It's the law of love. And perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. So I want us to, I want to say this and I want us to unpack it uh, this morning. Is that the word of God is actually a spiritual mirror. And God is wanting us to look into His Word. He wants us to look at Jesus. He doesn't want us to look in the natural mirrors and all the other mirrors that the enemy tries to put in our lives. He wants us now to forget all of those and to look here. Because those you want to forget. But here, when you look into the natural mirror, you want to remember because you want to know who you really are in Jesus. Amen. See, Scripture is the language of the Spirit and written to your spirit man. That's why in 1 Corinthians 2.14 it says, The natural man cannot understand or accept the things of the Spirit of God. We cannot, as the church anymore, go by our five senses. We have to go and walk in the Spirit. The true sons and daughters of God, the, the earth has been groaning for them to arise. And the true sons and daughters walk and are led by the Spirit of God. Of God. And I promise you now, we need to be a church and the church worldwide to sharpen ourselves and what that actually looks like and what that does actually mean. Because there's a lot of people saying and claiming a lot of stuff which is flesh and not spirit. And it is actually a persevering and a pressing into the presence of God in order for you to understand and to be able to walk in the spirit. Even though we were created to hear the sheep, the, she, the sheep were created to hear the shepherd's voice. We also don't throw our brains out that the way you get to know a person's voice is by listening to them, by being in their presence. You can pick up the timber, the tone, the, 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 the whole nature of the, that voice. That if I'm across the other side of a building, I can hear Jane's voice. 
And that's what we've got to understand, that this wasn't difficult. It's only a religion that tries to make it difficult. Um, and if I want to be heard, I will just raise my voice so that Jane can hear. That is the heart of the Father. It doesn't matter where you are, he, you will know His voice if you know His voice. Even if He's across the room, and He will make Himself known. Friends, but it's not just, oh, just it happens. I have to learn and know the way of the Spirit. I have to learn and understand uh, that I'm a spirit being and operating in the Spirit and listening and tuning in to the Spirit. Amen. Because it's your spirit, man, that has ears. And Jesus says, those that have ears, let them hear. He wasn't looking around, looking at a whole bunch of people that had chopped off ears and said, some of you have got ears, so you guys hear. He was talking in the spiritual realm. Those are the ears he was talking about. So my heart is, as the church this morning, those that have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. We cannot go in the natural mirror. We've got to go by the Word of God, look into the spiritual mirror of the Word of God to find out who we are, to find out what I'm called to do and to listen and to obey and to be led by what God is wanting to speak because His words are spirit. And I am spirit. Amen. I shared also this morning in John 4, 24, we quote it. Uh, the Father is looking for people who will worship Him um, in spirit and in truth. And uh, I said when I, when, I, um, when I shared that, if you, if you go and look there, it wasn't an option. It wasn't the best way. It wasn't a, this is a good way. There are many ways, but here, you guys, this will be a really convenient way or a better way. You must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You must. If you're not going to, you won't be able to have this relationship. You won't be able to walk and journey the way I want you to walk so, and the way, so that I can express what I want to do through your life. Otherwise, you will do what you need to do through sweat. Amen. And when it comes through sweat, it is not pleasant. And when it's not pleasant, then we begin to moan. And then we've got a whole beautiful story of the whole Old Testament to tell us about people that lost their way and sweated and moaned. And now we've got a new covenant and there's a new way. Let's not, let's learn. Amen. Anyway, let me, let me share this very quickly. Do you know that you have never seen your face? Now, I know all the folks that are intelligent here are now racking their brains and thinking. Because and, I know that's what religion does. answer for this. Let me think. So instead of having an answer this morning, maybe we sit there and we say, oh, that's interesting. I'm open to what you're trying to say. Thank you. That's good that you're open to it. Um, <laughs> no one has actually ever seen their own face. You've seen a reflection of your face. You may have seen a painting of your face. And you may have seen a picture of your face. Anybody who's got a phone has probably seen a picture of their face. But you cannot see your face. That's good. We can go home now. <laughs> yeah. Yet if I had to ask every single one of you, you'd be able to describe your face in detail. 
you be able to tell me exactly, oh, I've got here, I've got little wrinkles over here, smiley wrinkles, you know, and little spot or blemish here, a little scar. You'd be able to describe. So what you've done is you've seen an image and you trust it. How do you know that image is accurate? You know, I can't remember if I was at a carnival or a circus or wherever I was, but if I went to this room and they had these other kinds of mirrors. And when you go there and you stand before this one mirror, you're suddenly like eight foot tall and skinny. And then you go in front of another mirror and you're like the short midget when you're big and fat. That was also an image and it's also a mirror. <laughs> How do you know that it's accurate? Now listen, I'm not trying to convince you all now not to believe the mirror and the image. I'm not trying to convince that, um, although sometimes, no. Um, I'm trying to establish a principle that you and I actually live by every single day and don't have a problem with it. And that's simply as this, that we take it by faith and we trust it. Well, the Bible says that the Word is a mirror. And if you want to see what your spirit is like, you cannot go by what you feel or think. You cannot see or feel your spirit. You have to hold up the spiritual mirror. And then you have to see the image and you have to trust it and have faith in it. And believe it. So what I wanted to do today is just share a little bit about the spiritual mirror and what it says about us and trust that in the days ahead we'll be able to walk and live in it because I do believe most of the people are looking in other mirrors and those things are dictating to them who they are and they're operating according to that instead of operating according to how the Word of God sees them, how God sees them so they can operate at the level that God wants them to operate in. Because I do believe you are born in the most exciting times that this world has ever seen for the church. We're about to step into something absolutely awesome. And if it takes getting vaccinated, get vaccinated. It doesn't really matter. Because, my God, I'm looking in the mirror of the Word. And if I see in the mirror of the Word, thou shalt not get vaccinated. But the reality is each person, as they're led by the Holy Spirit, just be yielded to God. Uh, if we've got to get the job done, whatever it requires, we get the job done. Amen. And, and uh, the worst that can happen is you'll go and see him face to face. You'll blink. Uh, and now you're seeing in a mirror dimly anyway. Okay, there was a whole bunch of scripture there that was probably not meant to be in that order. But anyway, Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, this is not being recorded. See, the second service, I have a lot of fun, though. No, no, I'm trying to. Okay, um, Ephesians chapter 4. If you just quickly jump down to uh, verse 22. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So we're new creatures in Christ, and now we are to put on the new self, created, I love this, created after the likeness of God 
in true righteousness and holiness. Some might say in righteousness and true holiness, or true righteousness and true holiness, but the point is to say it's true. It's true righteousness and it's true holiness. What is not true holiness or true righteousness? Your actions. You see, you were created in His likeness. You have become a new creature. You are not going towards becoming one. You are not going towards being created. You are created in righteousness and in true holiness. In your spirit, man, you are righteous and you are true. Holiness. I love that. I, don't know how, I could say it over and over and over just to, like, woo. So if you go... Uh, to 1 John 4.17. I'll just read this one, um, quote it quickly. And 1 John 4.17, it says, As He is, so are we in this world. As He is. Not as He's going to be, not for the future, but as He is, so are we in this world. So if as He is, so are we in this world, then He's not talking about your and my body. He's not talking about your and my soul. He's talking about your and my spirit. As He is, so are we. See, in our spirits, we are identical to Jesus. And I said this this morning just to help, because this is questions that have been asked. Your soul and your body are not saved. Your soul and your body are not saved. You, your spirit is saved. Your soul is renewed. And your body, God doesn't ask you to make it any better. Even though we like to look in the mirror and have makeup and make it look nice. I'm not taking away from that. I'm, I'm just saying we were not called biblically to make our body any better. We were told to crucify the flesh. So as the degree to you submit to the Lord and renew your mind. You see, because if, you're, if, if, you're, if your mind is saved, it doesn't need to be renewed, it's saved. Your mind needs to be renewed. If your will is saved, you don't have to worry. Your will, you're, just, you're saved. You just choose. But we have to renew our mind, we have to bring our will into submission, and we have to crucify the flesh. It doesn't even tell you to play around with the flesh, it just says just crucify it. Because I shared this also, and without having a lot of time this morning, the bottom line is when you, you and I, and that's why in, in, in Romans chapter 8, I think it's verse 14, when it talks about that we groan for the redemption of our bodies. Because the reality is, is this fallen body has got out of order because of sin, and now it, our spirit man does not uh, rule and dictate and tell our body what to do. So when you get a, when you get a, a, a born-again body, it's automatically connected and operates. Your spirit man dictates. But here, our soul dictates. Our spirit man's got to take authority, which means that's why we crucify the flesh. Now, I'm, I'm just going to encourage you because I can, I can actually see a field here and holy cows are moving fast all <laughs> over the place. I just want you to take a shotgun and shoot those holy cows. Just kill them. 
and just listen to what I'm actually saying instead of trying to organize your theology in place because this is the Word of God and you will always stumble over great scriptures because of your understanding that just doesn't want to accept it because I'm going to get worse. So just bear with me as I... You see, you, you, you live in a body and that body is a flesh. And the flesh will always fail, just so you do know. And flesh is always at war with the spirit. We kind of think that there's some kind of journey that goes on here where we're kind of renewing and getting the flesh all better and better and better. That's why, can I just encourage you right now, and every single person I've administered to uh, that's been born again for a long period of time and slips up, they have exactly the same challenge. The same challenge is that they were, I'll be, I was a mature Christian, I don't know how I could have done that. And I want to encourage every single one of you, flesh is flesh, it's hostile against the Spirit. Any one of you here today, I don't care if you were born again for 50 years, if you step out of the Spirit and you begin to operate in the flesh, you're just as susceptible to anybody else to do anything. How dare a born again believer who's been born again for 40 years would ever have an affair. You're just as susceptible if you step out of the Spirit to do anything. So that's why we don't put any confidence in the flesh. Our confidence in our, is in Jesus Christ and in the Spirit. And my encouragement is while we stay in the Spirit. As, as believers, we, 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 we've got no place in that arena. That's not a place where I fight. I yield to the Spirit of God. Let the Spirit of God dictate to my flesh. I crucify the flesh. It's not a conversation that I have. Was that too harsh? And a smile more. Sorry. That, have some water. I just want to encourage us. Flesh is flesh. I'm so tired of Christians trying to you know, master the flesh. I want to say, like, uh, was it, whatever, the one comedian, he said, stop it. <laughs> What's the great advice you got for me? Stop it. <laughs> I don't know who it was. Yeah. New, Bob Newhart. See, I knew. I'm, in, I'm, I'm with fellow kindred. No, <laughs> no, then we show my age. Okay. You see, the victory in the Christian life is not getting your flesh better. The victory in the Christian life is to get out of yourself, stop trusting in yourself, your own understanding, and trust in God. That's the victory of the Christian life. But the moment that you step out of who you are in Christ, your flesh is still flesh. If you get out of the Spirit in the flesh, you're capable of doing anything you ever were. And that means every single one of us, that's why we stay close, stay tucked in, in Jesus. Now, the example that I gave this morning, which I just want to give again, because it, it really impacted me. I don't know, I forget who shared it, but um, it's like if we were in a plane right now, and I was sitting in the plane, I could sit down and chat to you, and I could say, you know what? Woo! This is incredible. Do you know that I am going like 800 and something, 900 kilometers an hour at the moment? And you know that I am 39,000 feet up in the sky? Woo! You're talking about power here. I am pumping here. Uh, look at me. Look at the speed that I can go. And look at the, the, the height that I can fly. But the reality is that the only reason why that's happening is because of my position in the plane. And if you doubt that, and I said, if you, and then I had to qualify it because I was on the, <laughs> I said, um, don't do this at home. But if you doubt that, all I say to you is open the door and step out of the plane. You'll soon realize who was doing it. Not you. 
right? So the reality is it's, it's our position in Christ. It's how we're positioned in God that is actually key. Um, let me keep re-emphasizing that over and over and over again. Uh, if you step out of that position, <laughs> flesh. Okay. Let's quickly go to 1 John chapter 3. Um, 1 John chapter 3, uh, and also, no, let me just, I'll state it and then I'm going to, okay. 1 John chapter 3, I, I had to qualify something this morning, but I, I, don't, I don't like qualifying, I, I just, let's just state it. Um, 1 John chapter 3, just from uh, verse 7, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of Man uh, appeared was to destroy the works of the devil, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. Now, I want to encourage every single one of you um, to go and read that in the King James. Or the New King James, also. Um, but, and, I, and I love, sorry, I'm reading from the ESV, and I love the ESV, and I think it's a very powerful translation. I respect everybody who, who wrote it. But when I go and study the King James Bible, the King James Bible says this, it says, uh, whoever commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God commits sin. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot commit sin because he has been born of God. And I challenge you not just to read the King James, but to go study it in the Greek too. But you see, that what I've just said now is going to—it's blowing your religious mind so completely out of the water that you can't concentrate. Now you're sitting there trying to figure out that can't be true, because we all sin. So let me just say this: so what they've done here is, in order to make this more palatable for us as the people of God, um, and for the religious, it, we 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 go, whoever uh, makes a practice of sinning, or habitually sins. That's how we kind of rather talk, makes a practice of sinning and habitually sin. Okay, let me ask you this simple question. How many know that getting overweight doesn't take one meal? I can go and eat the biggest steak, chops, vors, everything, overindulge, all the puds and everything in one night, and I'm still, I'm still not going to, I'm still not going to be overweight, right? Being overweight takes a continuous eating a bit too much, right? It's called gluttony, let's just be honest. And unfortunately, it's right up there with all the others. God doesn't put it in the corner and hide it away and say, don't worry about that one. Let's concentrate on others. It's, in all, all, it's gluttony. So gluttony is a sin. So according to this Bible, then, if you're a bit overweight, don't look in that mirror. Look in the... <laughs> If you're overweight, then um, you are habitually sinning. What about depression? Have you ever had depression more than once? Because potentially you're also habitually sinning then as well. What about fear? So what he's talking about here is he's saying, let's go back to the original. And he's saying, if you're born a God, you don't commit sin. Where don't you commit sin? 
in your spirit. See, your spirit doesn't sin. Your soul and your body. Romans chapter 6, when you yield your members to unrighteousness, then they become instruments of unrighteousness in the flesh. Oh, I can see that. I need to unpack that one more. Uh, go to 1 Corinthians 6. Let me go quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Did everyone bring a picnic basket and lunch? Because I think, I think we're going to be here a while. <laughs> um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if you go to verse 17. Let's go to verse 17. One of my favorite verses. It says, But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. And if you go and look up the Greek word for one, you'll see it's H-E-R-S. Has, has, however you want to pronounce it. Um, I think the right pronunciation is has, but um, one spirit, has, the Greek word. One, it means singular one to the exclusion of any other. So when you get born again, you become one spirit with God. That's why your spirit doesn't commit sin. You become one with Him. You see, you'll battle with these scriptures and find another way around these if we don't understand this simple truth. And uh, that's why I'm just plowing ahead, even though in the room I can feel the cows off. Um, it doesn't, this is what it doesn't mean. It does not mean similar. You don't have a similar. That Greek word means singular one to the exclusion of every other. Your spirit is identical to Jesus. You know, sometimes I hear people say, no, but we've got like a, a baby spirit and then we grow. You know, we have to grow and grow. Like, you know, it's small when you're seven and then it's ten and then it's... But my Bible says, as He is, so are we in this world. If that's as He is, so are we in this world, then I have the same spirit of maturity of... I don't believe there is a size, to be honest, of spirit. And so actually, what I, I'm, 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 and I, this, this didn't go down well, but I'll just I'll try it again. Um, so actually, what I am doing this morning is I'm not ministering to your spirit. Because your spirit's perfect. It has everything. It's one with God. I'm trying to minister to your mind, because your mind is getting in the way of allowing your spirit to operate. See, see I'm, trying to, I'm trying to minister to get people to renew their minds. The Spirit is perfect and has the mind of Christ. So now 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16, we have a beautiful scripture. It says, you and I, we have the mind of Christ. So people go, that's great. Woo, rah, 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 when I'm in church. Amen, brother, I got the mind of Christ. Then I go home. Darling? Do you know where my glasses are? I can't find my glasses. I don't know where they are. Where I left them? Where? On your head, love. Oh, that's where they are. Do you know, I, for the life of me, I can't remember. Uh, where, where's the place again? Where, do we, where are we going? Where's Four Ways Mall? I can't remember. Then I look in the mirror. You've got the mind of Christ. <laughs> don't kid yourself. 
Oh, see, it's a mirror that we're looking into. When the Word of God, look into this mirror, it says you have the mind of Christ. You do have the mind of Christ. Where do you have the mind of Christ? In your spirit, you have the mind of Christ. Now I'm renewing and allowing the mind of Christ to take authority over my mind. This peanut brain mind is coming under subjection to this mind. Oh, that was a bit solid. So let me quickly, I'll take in another scripture. 1 John chapter 2. Let's just go there quickly. 1 John chapter 2. Now obviously I've had the advantage of actually um, studying this up, so I encourage you to go back and study it for yourself. But if you just go quickly to um, uh, just uh, let's just uh, let's just go straight to verse twenty, um, and I'll just read it. So this is now in the ESV. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. You've been anointed by the Holy One and you all have knowledge. And I was like, wow, that, that, if you read that very quickly, you, it kind of doesn't give its full, full emphasis. So I went back into the Greek, studied the Greek, short guy, but <laughs> I studied the Greek, and, uh, and I also went and read it in the uh, King James Bible. If you go to the King James Bible, it says it like this. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Sounds better. But you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Because, you see, your spirit man has the mind of Christ. You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit and you know all things. Inside of your spirit, you know all things. Don't, don't bail on me. This is, this is going to get better. See, most people are using their carnal mind and then trying to get their carnal mind and, and speaking to their carnal mind. You have the mind of Christ. Wake up. You have the mind of Christ. When in actual fact, you have the mind of Christ. It's in your spirit. You have the mind of Christ. And you do know all things in your spirit. So, when we understand this right, why do we pray in tongues? Oh, if you catch this. If you pray in tongues, what does the Bible say? 1 Corinthians 14, go study the whole chapter. It says your spirit prays. So I begin to pray in my heavenly language, and the Bible says that my mind is unfruitful. I'm skipping the peanut, and I'm going straight to the spirit, right? I'm beginning to pray in the spirit. As I'm praying in the spirit, I'm now, uh, um, as I'm praying, I'm now connecting um, with my, my uh, spirit. The mind of God inside of you that knows all things. So whatever I face, every single believer, no matter what situation you and I face, God knew you would face that and He took care of it and you already have inside of your spirit that which you actually need. That's why Paul could say, I pray in tongues more than all of you because he understood and had this revelation and that's why he wrote all the things that he did write because every situ situation, I promise you right now, Every single situation, if we understand this, God will supernaturally speak to us. We don't have to always run and say, Lord, I don't know if you realize this. Did you see what happened? Woo! What are we going to do now? Just like I said, God, the 
tree huggers or whatever, don't run to God and say, God, did you see that oil slick? Look there, a thousand fish died. And God goes, oh my word, didn't realize that. Let me make it more thousand fish. God has not created since the beginning of time when he created everything. You see, he's so ahead of the game. You see, we think finite. We think limited. We think in our minds instead of thinking in the spirit. When you think in the Spirit, you begin to intercede in the Spirit, you begin to pray in the Spirit, which connects with what the Spirit of God is doing. And when you connect with what the Spirit of God is doing, then you trust Him now. He will bring the revelation out of the, of the Spirit into your understanding. And it's amazing how you're just sitting there driving along and this idea comes your way. Whoop! I'm clever. See, that was amazing. You see, oh, I'm so bright. You know what I had? I had this great idea. No, you didn't have the idea. You prayed in the Spirit, and you accessed the spiritual realm where God, where, he, where you know everything because he, you've got the mind of Christ, and then He releases that, and it comes into the natural realm so that we can outwork. We have the answer for every single thing that we need. And as the people of God, we were meant to operate at that level. We're not meant to operate at a level where we are constant, constantly asking and constantly trying to get our head above water. God knew all along what it meant to live on the water. Amen. And if I'm shouting, forgive me, because this is very exciting. I'm just, um, see, I'm drawing out of my spirit the mind or ideas or the thinking of Jesus. Karabashanda. In Jude 20, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the spirit. Oh, there's so much in that, but. Romans chapter 8, 9, if you want to. Good scripture. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. So if you don't have the Spirit of God, then you don't belong to Him. Then come and see me. We're going to help you get born again. But every single one of us who's born again has the Spirit of God inside of us, and we won. Kerebeshende, lakara basuntu. Let me just also share this. Come on. It's getting good. Uh, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. Let's just go. Read the whole book of Ephesians. It's all good. It's really good. It's one of the most powerful things that declares and speaks over the church, who they are in God. Um, but if you just quickly had to read uh, Ephesians chapter 1, um, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Uh, it says there, and you may have quoted this, in him. You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. If you go and study the Greek there, in Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, believed in Him, were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Sealed there is not a seal of a king. Seal. Sealed there is vacuum packed. Sealed. We were sealed. When you receive Jesus Christ into your life and you're born again, your spirit comes one with, uh, with, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit. We become one spirit. When we become one spirit, then the Holy Spirit seals us. Sealed. Sealed. Healed. Sealed. If it's sealed, you, you can't. Get in sealed. That's why it, our, our spirit doesn't sin. It's sealed. Doesn't matter how much I say that, I can see the minds are. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Let's keep going. Um, <laughs> that's why we go and approach God in the Spirit. If you catch this, you'll always approach Him in the Spirit, never in your flesh. Even if you, uh, listen, Lord, what I've, I tithe this month, you know, I ga- gave offerings to those poor guys. I've been praying every single day. I've read the Word. Ooh, I'm feeling good. I'm going to approach Him. Got a lot of confidence. We approach Him in the Spirit with confidence because of what Jesus did. It's in Christ. See, if you know that, then it doesn't matter. You could have just sinned three seconds before. Now, I'm in no way trying to, to say that God doesn't care about us sinning and that sinning is, is fine because there is a righteousness here that needs to be outworked in our lives. And I just wanted to let you know that even though you're righteous inside, if you go outside now and you speed down the highway and you're pulled over by a policeman and you say to him, listen, my pastor just told me I was the righteousness of God, he will say, okay, well, as the righteousness of God, take this ticket and go pay it at the... Right? What I'm, I'm trying to say, when we look in the mirror, God declares who we are, and then if we surrender and yield to that, we begin to operate in that, which is in righteousness. Let's, if you're still in John, let's just quickly go to 1 John chapter 3. I just want to read that, and I'm landing. 1 John chapter 3. I'll read the first, let me just read the first three verses for the sake of time. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. See, that's the foundation. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, when we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Everyone purifies himself as He is pure. So what it's saying here is if you understand who you are and you're truly born again, then your journey is you'll purify yourself. If you're not purifying yourself, you're not born again because then you don't have this hope. That simple. So I'm not, this is not a profession now of, well, it doesn't matter, you can do whatever you want. I never, ever advocate that. But if you preach this right, and you preach it biblically correct, that's why they responded to Paul and said, what then? Shall we just sin? And he said, God forbid. Because if you understand who you are and what Jesus has done in your life and your identity and who you are, you are the righteousness of God. You are true holiness in your spirit, man. Your position in Christ never fluctuates. Now, you might be sitting here and say, well, well, then I'm doing a poor job of it. I promise you the only reason why you're doing a poor job of it is because of religion. See, religion will actually strengthen sin. 1 Corinthians 15, 56, if you want to know. Um, it, religion makes sin come alive. Romans 7, verse 9. 
the law will make you sin and give sin dominion over you. Over you. Romans 6.14 says we are, no long, no, we are no longer under the dominion. But if you, because we are no longer under the law. But if you're under the law, then you'll be under the dominion of sin. There's so many scriptures. But I'll land with this one. Colossians chapter 1, if you just read from verse 22. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of the flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. He presents you holy, blameless, and above reproach. It'd be wrong of him to make that statement. I'm still, I haven't finished uh, earning my salvation and being righteous. See, he makes statements in the Bible that are about who we are that just, wow, they just blow us away. So we, we have to try and default back into religion to try and get there. We're not coming from a, 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 a position to go to victory. We're coming from a position of victory. We, we're coming from the position of the finished work of the cross. Until the church rises up and operates from the position of the finished work of the cross, it'll always be distracted from the Great Commission and getting people saved and let me just encourage you with that too. The, the figures that have come out now, the latest figures that have come out, we are going backwards. In terms of the 1040 window and those being saved. Because the missionary numbers are going down. So the influence in that area. Because the church is distracted on a whole bunch of other stuff, which is them trying to earn or deserve or work and do this thing in their own flesh. Can they just operate in the Spirit, begin to listen to the Spirit, begin to walk by the Spirit, and be led by the Spirit? Oh, I haven't even got to Hebrews. I'll do it. But Hebrews, the whole of Hebrews really, but if you want to just know this about Hebrews, the whole thing about Hebrews is understanding the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, they had to keep on offering sacrifices. Because the best that a sacrifice could do was to cover, never took away. But if you listen to Hebrews and go study it again, especially chapters um, 9 and 10, you'll see this word that's used forever and ever. Once for all. Once for all. Once forever. So that's another holy cow or blow, blow you out of the water, is that if it's once forever, then you weren't even born when Jesus died once forever. That means your past, present, and future sins were taken care of on the cross before you were even born. Ooh. See, all these things, just stir up your hearts and, and you can get angry with me out of mind. I've got broad shoulders. But don't get, don't get angry with the Word. Go study the Word. Go study God, God. Go say, Lord Jesus, this is too good to be true. Please help me to know that it actually is so good, it's true. They taste so good because they eat so good. Amen. So go eat. You'll taste good. Shall we stand? Now, I know I said a heck of a lot, and I know I can feel it, that it's, uh, yeah, challenging, challenging minds. But I want to encourage you, if you get a revelation in this understanding, it's simply actually yielding to Jesus, who wants to be Lord. Simply, if you seek first Him, and put Him in His rightful place in our lives, 
which is everything and our all, then the rest just gets added. We're going to be chased after by goodness and mercy. But when we start lingering in all of this stuff, under the guise of that we are trying to be so honoring to, to the Word, that's what religion does. See, the Spirit says, just yield to the Word. Religion says, oh, I'm going to try and now work it all out and try and understand it. No, if you told me that, then I believe you. So this morning, Lord God, I know I've said a lot, and I know a lot of minds have been shaken. But I just pray right now, Lord God, that which can be shaken, let it be shaken. Because then it's not of you. That which is of you cannot be shaken. And Lord, I, I really do pray. I pray for your mercy and your grace over our lives today, Lord God. And I don't really, it doesn't matter how long you've been saved, 30 years, 50 years. I pray, Lord God, that we would be teachable and open enough to yield and to listen and to inquire and to take these things to you. I do pray today, Lord God, for me, God, you love us so much and you're so for us, and you're so with us, but there's one thing that you will oppose. And that's arrogance or pride. I pray today, Lord God, that we do not stand before you with any arrogance or pride, but that we stand before you with a, simply a yielded heart, and we come low. Because Jesus said, learn from me, I'm humble. Lord, I believe in these days that we're living in, it's going to take a humility to be totally surrendered. Just because of our, our default, Lord. It's so easy, if it wasn't for our pride and our arrogance, to just simply yield totally to you and say, you've done it all. Have your way. I just pray today, Lord God, that you would help us to outwork this because I believe in the days ahead. The more yielded, the more lower we come, the more higher you will exalt us. The more opportunities, the more platforms, the more responsibilities, the more impact we're going to have for the kingdom of God. And I do believe today, Lord God, that you're wanting to bless and to bring a supernatural increase in finances into our businesses. Not because we're clever, but because we yield and we pray and we ask you right now by the Spirit to bring God-given ideas, direction, supernatural uh, thoughts and solutions to the challenges that we face in this world. You thought of everything, Lord God. There isn't anything that surprised you. COVID didn't surprise you. The president's decisions don't surprise you. The church's actions don't surprise you. You know everything, Lord God, and you have given us everything inside of us. Everything that pertains to life and godliness. Lord, I pray that as we yield to you, we'll be able to draw that out in these next days, Lord God. Just be a people that go, wow, we are so different because we've been made alive. In Jesus' name. So will you help us, Lord God? I pray of every person here today, they wouldn't go out of here uh, wobbling. They would go out of here, Lord God, challenged and encouraged to search the Scriptures, to go study the Word, to make sure whatever they believe uh, is actually is true, not something they've just taken, and, but that they've dug deep, Lord God. And, uh, and, and I pray, Lord, above all else, that they would find you. You search the Scriptures. 
Because in it you think. Jesus said, but here I am, standing right in front of you, and you're missing me. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that we would search the Scriptures, but we wouldn't miss the presence of the Lord standing right there in front of us. In Jesus' name, bless your people, Lord God. May they have an awesome week. Um, and may we live in the place that you've called us to, Lord God, which is above, not beneath, which is to be the head, not the tail. In Jesus' name. Amen.